This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by Gigaparts.com, the amateur radio online superstore. Between now and August 31st, 2013, use the promo code ALTVFREE7 at checkout to receive a free gift with your order. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM and the new IC7100 HF 6 meter VHF UHF all mode mobile transceiver with touchscreen. Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 56. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And it's great to be back with you again here around the 1st of July in Mississippi. It's kind of warm out there. Oh, uh, yeah, it's toasty, man. What's it like down there, Peter? Uh, a little of the chilly side still. We're, we're in winter, but we're past the equinox and headed for spring. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm jealous. Yeah. yeah I we're, actually love winter. We're past the equinox and headed to summer. Fall? Fall. Fall, I guess, yeah. Well, we've got a great show, and we got a number of things this time around. Tommy, what have you got? Well, you know, field day just passed. So yeah, I, I do. I uh, I went out and, and visited with JARC for a little while. I didn't get to stay quite as long as I'd hoped, but uh, had a little quick visit with them and uh, been playing around with my new ID51 handy talkie. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should be. It's pretty nice. It is. Peter, what are you, uh, you going to do this time? Well, I've got a segment on comet hunting, uh, how to go and catch your own comet. Uh, by the way, I should also mention, uh, thanks to you guys, I've now got a Canon G10 camera. So you might be noticing a slightly different uh, improve or a slight improvement in video quality. I've been playing around with that camera, which is great. Yeah, you'll love it, Peter. That's the same one we use here for most everything. Oh, yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, I've got some space stuff too, Peter. You know, I went to Houston, Texas area here a few weeks back. I was actually over there uh, during field day weekend, so Tommy and I didn't get to go out in the woods and uh, try to burn it down or anything or set any Next year. Next year. But uh, I spent a little time with the Clear Lake Amateur Radio Club, but... I also went by NASA and uh, met with the NASA uh, Johnson Space Center Club. Awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, it's fun. awesome. It was. You'll, you'll have to watch that here in a minute. It, it was a lot of fun. Tell me what's on your email stack over there today. Well, I got a few emails today. I got an email from my friend Elliot. He says he ran into an issue with the DVAP when he was logging on to the repeater in his hometown, W1NLK. He said he received the following voice message. Remote system linked, receive mode only. Would you have any hints on where to look for this failure? I hope your holiday was great. It's hot up north here in West Haven, Connecticut, just down the street from Yale. I don't know where that is. I go up there to work. Anyway, you work seven, at Yale? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go up there to work really close to it. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, Elliot, as far as your problem goes, it sounds like you may not be registered on the 
D-Star system, you've got to be registered on the call sign that you're using on the DVAP. If you're registered with your regular call sign you and you use that one in the DVAP, you should be okay. But if you use the suffix on it, you're going to have to go back and register with that as well. Otherwise, you'll get the uh, kind of the read-only mode for it. But I'm sure that's your problem. Yeah, sounds like it is from what little I know about it. I don't even have a DVAP. Yeah, well, you should get one of those too. I should. I should. Peter, what have you got down there? Well, I've got a, an email here from uh, Mark. Uh, he's a former ham radio operator, and uh, he was formerly licensed as KD4NNM, and uh, he's looking to get back into the hobby now as a result of watching Amateur Logic. He also asked, does Australia have a field day? And to the best of my knowledge, we don't have a field day uh, quite the same as the US does, uh, that it's like a, a day where everybody goes outdoors, but we do have things called field days, like the Wyong field day, but that's really just a big ham fest. Uh, he actually works in the uh, American embassy uh, and uh, in had a Australia? little joke with uh, uh, Mark about uh, perhaps he's a, a spook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the American embassy in Australia. Oh, that's right, yes, in, yeah. up in Canberra. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, 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 he, he might know um, the chap from Solder Spoke, uh, you know. Yeah, Bill, Bill Mira. Bill Mira, that's him, because yeah, mm-hmm. he also works in the uh, or worked in the uh, American Embassy in Italy. Okay, well, I've got one here. This comes from uh, Jim in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Hey, eh? <laughs> <laughs> he says I'm not an amateur radio operator yet, but I'm very interested in the hobby, especially the digital modes and digital voice. I've been watching Amateur Logic for quite some time now, and I like the combination of the various video productions you do. And the Elmarine and all of them is great. He says he's learned a lot about D-Star and the Raspberry Pi from watching the show. Keep up the good work, and he really appreciates what we guys are doing for the hobby. Well, thank you, Jim, and uh, do join us. I mean, it, it sounds like you're halfway there already if you're liking all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you won't regret yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah if you like tinkering a little bit and talking to other people, uh, it's a great hobby to get involved in. Yeah, well, if he's already interested in the digital modes and digital voice, I mean, you know, it's got a little bit of something for everybody. There's guys who don't like that stuff at all, but plenty who do, so it's... uh, Well, of course, there's packet radio, and as you know, you can communicate with the International Space Station uh, over packet. I mean, how good's that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, um, let's, let's talk about a couple of things here before we move any further. We've got a very special show coming up August the 1st, don't we, Tommy? Yeah, we do. We, uh, when we went to Dayton, we went to Voice of America, and we got a special show that we're going to be releasing the 1st of August. Yeah, it's, it's really going to be fun. Uh, that's a great site up there, the Bethany site. It's been decommissioned. It's a museum now. And uh, we got a good tour of it from a former engineer there. I believe he was a former, uh, I don't know if they call it chief or not, but... Uh, the head guy there. Yeah, yeah, he was very knowledgeable. It's a great interview. Great, uh, it's a great show. You guys are going to love it. Yeah, lots of neat gear. A little history on the Voice of America. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss it. And you can probably get some non-hams to watch it too. Oh yeah, because uh, it's uh, it, it's really. Did you guys topic. used to listen to uh, Voice of America when you were younger, like with your shortwave radios? Oh, I certainly did. did down here in Australia. Yeah, I don't think they really broadcast to the United States. I mean. We could hear some of their broadcasts, but they weren't targeted at us. I think the rules were such that they could only broadcast to uh, foreign countries. But I think that's recently changed. Yeah. 
Now, I could be wrong about all that, so don't pay any attention to what I'm saying. But, <laughs> but I, I think that was um, the, the way it went. Yeah, I, I, uh, in my younger years, used to uh, listen to them quite a bit, along with Radio Netherlands and various other shortwave stations. And they're very informative and very educational for learning a lot about the U.S. Yeah, and, you know, there's not as much on shortwave these days. It's uh, mostly preaching, and uh, and that's about it. You can hear some Chinese stuff every now and then, but maybe Radio Netherlands, I think they're still going and. No, no, Radio Netherlands, uh, I think, has shut up shop or well, actually converted into some kind of political uh, organisation. But it's uh, the Radio Netherlands, as uh, you and I knew it, uh, is no more, unfortunately. Oh, that's hmm. too bad. Yeah, that yeah is too due bad. to, I think, budget cuts over in the Netherlands. That's happening everywhere. Well, Tommy, why don't we take a look at your Phil Day video here? You want to set it up for us? Yeah, I stopped by and uh, got there about the time the guys were setting up. Hung around for a little while, and uh, here, just take a look at it. Well, I spent field day this year with the Jackson Amateur Radio Club again. Those guys are always pretty good about letting me drop by there and hang out. I showed up about the time they were finishing this setup. Pretty good timing on my part, huh? Here's Thomas tuning his IC7000, making sure the antenna and everything's all set up right. I saw these fan stands that they've made out of retasked license plates. I thought it was a pretty cool idea. Us hams never throw anything away, especially something made out of aluminum. As far as antennas, I saw four. They had uh, this vertical, which worked pretty well, for especially for the distance stations. The uh, angle of radiation wasn't quite right for closer stations. They had an MFJ telescopic portable that seemed to work pretty well. They had uh, the coil so you could tap it for different bands. They also had this dipole suspended from this portable tower. They were out in the field, so there wasn't any power available, so they used power uh, from generators and batteries. You can always count on JARC to feed you well when they have these things. As you can see, they had plenty of snacks, and they had some great stuff they were going to cook on the grill here in a few minutes, and uh, it's always good. As far as stations, they had four on the air. They had two phone stations, two sideband HF stations. They had this two-meter station for talk-ins and things like that they also have the cw station you see mike working here i think he stayed pretty busy with that all in all everyone looked like they had a pretty good time they set up in the field out next to bass pro like i said so they can get some exposure from all the traffic and get people to come by and use their go to station and introduce others to ham radio so a great job to those guys for putting this on and all the hard work they did especially for their hospitality while i was out there visiting with them that did look like a lot of fun, Tommy. I'm sorry I, I missed it. Yeah, it, it was pretty fun. I was, it was really weird because they weren't at the park where they always are, but yeah. uh, it was it was pretty good. And I'm not sure how many people they had come by from uh, from Bass Pro, but I know they had several come by. Um, I need to try to get in touch with John and find out what the yeah. count is. You know, field day is kind of like a holiday, and uh, we've had a couple of holidays pass since the last show, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Uh, let's see, that was the 4th of July. Yeah, you can see here, I, I had a little time off to experiment. I was working on a, a new uh, electronic door lock for my car. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Father's Day too. Wasn't it great to see your dad again? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how we got our start in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you guys don't see those, you need to go check out the Google Plus page where Mike posts those pictures. You do. They're great. They are. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, and let's uh let's have a little word now from one of our sponsors, Gigaparts. The FT-DX5000MP is built for the avid contester and the DX enthusiast. Two receivers, each with their own tuning knob and frequency display, make split operations a breeze. Both the 300 Hz crystal roofing filter and spectrum scope come standard. With the DX5000MP, the world is at your fingertips. Dedicated controls for tuning and filters for both receivers are located on the front panel of the FT-DX5000MP. With built-in power supply and 200 watts output on sideband and CW, the DX5000MP is ready to win. Get serious. Get DX. Get an FT-DX5000MP. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll-free at 866-535-4442, and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on live chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. Now through August the 31st, use AOTV Free 7 and get a free gift with your order. Yeah, do that when you check out and uh, let them know at Gigaparts that you watch AmateurLogic.tv. Well, Tommy, you had such a good time at field day there. Let's take a look at my vacation videos. Let's do. Over the field day weekend this year, I was in Kima, Texas, and had the opportunity to visit with a couple of nearby clubs. I'm talking with Kirk Tillman here, the president of the Clear Lake Amateur Radio Club. Kirk, it's good to meet you. And you too, George. Thank you very much. And your call sign? WB5UZZ. And um, you're out here at uh, NASA. Yes, we're out here. We were invited to participate in field day out here at the Johnson Space Center at the Gilbrews Center. And uh, it was very nice of the club to invite us out here. We have a beautiful facility with enough area out here to provide uh, room for antennas. And uh, we're in the shade. And in South Texas, that's a very important thing since it's probably about 95, 96 degrees today, and a nice breeze. So we're very happy here. I can understand that. Yeah, it's nice and shady in here. You can't see it, but there's fans uh, circulating air in here, plus the breeze coming in. It's really not that bad for this time of year in South Texas. No, it isn't, and we're, we're very uh, happy to be with these folks. This is the time of year when we have our hurricane warnings and watches, and actually had a few. I was here for Ike back in 2008, and at that point, amateur radio became important uh, down here in Galveston County for actually providing communications 
within the county after Ike took out most of the cell phone towers and uh, a lot of the other infrastructure that we needed for telephones. Kurt, this is your station here. What are you running? Okay, I'm running a Kenwood TS440S that's actually on loan. Uh, this is uh, checking it out. It's from a silent key. And uh, we're going to sell it uh, to benefit another ham. And uh, so it was here to find out if it works. And it does work uh, very nicely. Uh, Also, I've got a brand new, just out of the box today, this MFJ uh, IntelliTuner number 929, which uh, I think is fairly new in their inventory. And it turns out to work very well. Uh, I'm very happy with the way this, this works. This does not require a direct... A connection to the radio other than the antenna system uh, it senses when you attempt to transmit oh. and it automatically tunes and boy is it quick it does so in less than a second Wow! and um, it uh, gives you all the indications on the front of uh, what what it's done so uh, so far in one day I'm pleased with it power supply fits in this area of the of the kit then the DX70 normally fits down in here. And I've got extra cables, power cables, and also a rig, a rig blaster that allows me to do PSK31 with this. So you're ready to go in all modes pretty much then. That's correct. Lee, why don't you tell them what you're working on over here? Hi, I'm Lee Spinner, KD5SQN. I'm working 20-meter voice. Uh, trying to hit as uh, many stations as I can. Um, I've already got Alberta, North Dakota, and West Central Florida uh, within the past half hour. So, But the band's really not that good today. Is that what I'm understanding? It's noisy. Um, they're not the greatest. I'm on 20 meter. Um, it's better than 40 meter. Uh, it varies a lot. So I, I live with what I have. What are you using for an antenna? The uh, antenna is a uh, MFJ ham antenna in 20 meter, and I also have a four foot extension. Now here's Kelvin, and he's going to tell us what he's running here on field day. Uh, yes, I'm uh, Kelvin Hickman, K5KGH, uh, using my initials because it makes it easier for me to remember my call sign. Um, I've got the uh, Kenwood TS2000. You'll see a lot of them here today. It's a uh, uh, radio that's got a pretty good reputation among the group here and i have a um, uh, old but uh, still functioning uh, dell d630 as my laptop unit running uh, digital modes with uh, ham radio deluxe you're running a buddy stick on here Uh, you're using i guess the tuner built into the radio Uh, yes i am with the help of a uh, uh, antenna analyzer to get the uh, stick uh, in the ballpark and the antenna tuner has no problem and David's running another TS-2000 on here. David, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, my name is David, uh, K5DLF. And this is your first field day? Yes. You look like you came pretty well prepared for it. Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> uh, what, tell us what you're doing here. What modes are you operating um, in? I'm on 20 meters doing uh, PSK-31. What are you using for an antenna? Uh, the uh, big ears uh, over there. I'm talking with John here from the Johnson Space Center Amateur Radio Club. I did get that right, didn't I, John? Yes, you did. John Macca, AB5SS. 
<laughs> Good to meet you. So this is uh, this is a nice club you've got here. Very nice uh, setup here. How's Field Day been this year? Field Day's been really good this year. Things have come together. We uh, put a lot of effort into last year's Field Day, getting the shack um, improved, and, and it's paid off this year. We didn't have to spend near the time getting ready, and things have been going really well. It, it looks like you've set up everything. I, I assume there's some surplus NASA gear in, in this setup in a few places. Actually, not that much. We have the, some computers from NASA, but the rest is uh, club equipment. And uh, fortunately, we have some really good stuff to get equipment to deal with, to work with. So, do, do you all support NASA in any way through amateur radio, or are you just strictly a standalone club? No, we do support NASA through um, a Space Act agreement we have with them where we provide some services um, both as, an, as a backup to their emergency operations center should it go down and their school contacts that go on and we, we uh, help with that activity. So how many hams do you have in the club? I think we have about 30, 35 now. Are they all NASA employees or just people from the area or, or what? No, they're mostly uh, NASA and NASA contractors. I was looking at the photos on the wall here. That That is a lot of history and most of these are autographed as well, right? For we've supported many shuttle flights uh, directly from here. We've, uh, you know, had the station supported direct contacts with the shuttle when the shuttle program was was going on, and um, we trained a lot of the crew members, got them in their hand li- ham licenses. Uh, they operated yeah, on on the, the station, and uh, they were kind enough to sometimes fly fly their patches and bring them back and autograph the uh, the, the boards for us. Well, that's very cool. So uh, you're responsible for putting a lot of hams in space then, I guess. Well, not like that. Not, not like that for making them hams. They were going to space anyway. They're going to go to space anyway, but we've, we've, um, I've tested a few astronauts for their ham licenses, and it's been, it's been fun. They're really do, smart people. Oh, they are. Do, what do they think about ham radio? Do you, do you believe it's just uh, one more thing they're trying to do, or do they seem to enjoy it or... It's it's just like anyone else. Some some are doing it uh, because they it's it's something to do. Others really truly enjoy it, and they really um, operate a lot when they're on orbit. Well, I imagine yeah, it'd be nice to make contact back home. I have heard it fly over a few times. I've never been able to make contact with it. I, I, either, actually, <laughs> unless we have a, a, a scheduled contact, I've, it's really hard to make contact with them. I would imagine so. I see you've got ground bus all the way around the room here, and you got these. Uh, uh, I guess you call these cable trays. C- cable trays yeah. yeah, it's really set up nice. Was was this room originally something else, or was it just set up for amateur radio? About five years ago, or a little bit more than five years ago, NASA JSC uh, decided to tear down the old building. And when they rebuilt the new building, they asked us, um, you know, what we really needed, and uh, they were nice enough to put in a really good grounding system and the cable trays. And this is much better than we had in the previous building. So I guess uh, no big lightning problems here then. No, no big lightning problems. I noticed a generator out back. That thing sounds like it's not even on. It's so quiet. Oh, I can't believe how quiet this generator is. <laughs> it's uh must be really muffled well. 20KW2, that'll pull your hammer station. This year we were fortunate enough to uh, let the emergency operations center, um, they let us borrow their generator. And... Uh, helps them out they, they got to run it every once in a while anyway so um, yeah, it's hardly it's hardly pulling any amps it could run for three or four days so if there's some hams visiting over in the houston area and they'd maybe like to get in touch with you or come see the station or something is that possible yeah it is possible um depending on our schedules but usually one of our 
myself or one of our officers can uh, make time to come out and open the shack up. And you've got a website? We do have a website. It's W5RRR.org. Thanks for talking with us, John. Enjoyed it. Y'all have a really impressive setup here, some nice gear. And it looks like some pretty smart operators, too. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks for, thanks for coming, and hope you enjoy the field day. While I was in the Houston area, there's just one more stop that I wanted to make on field day. No, they don't have In-N-Out Burger here, but they do have Fry's Electronics. Great club there, uh, George, and uh, you got to meet uh, quite a number of interesting people. I did, and it was really a nice shack. And, and you know, all these guys work for NASA or either they're NASA contractors. And the guys at the uh, Clear Lake Club were a lot of fun, too. Uh, they, I think that was their second year to be operating out under the pavilion there. Oh, yeah. And the NASA Johnson Space Center guys invited them to come over and use that. Yeah, that's a pretty nice setup. They did. You, nice you guys must go and show us some of the uh, uh, the NASA uh, installations around uh, the U.S. if you get, get near them, like down at Florida and that. Uh, they look pretty cool. Yeah, uh, this is all I saw of that one. It, it's huge. Um, uh, you know, I was just in one little corner there. Basically, there was that building and there were some uh, sports fields out around it, so I guess it was... Oh. Have you ever toured the Space Center? No. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I've never been to that one. I've been to the one in Florida and the one in Huntsville. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, uh, just during the week, they uh, released, I think it was uh, Atlantis, uh, has been in, installed in, uh, I think, down at Florida, and um, uh, and it's uh, the display is supposed to be pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, Tommy, that that was a great site there at NASA, but, you know, for some space-age type of uh, field day activities, I was really impressed by those fans mounted to the car tags at Jackson Club. Had. Yeah. You know, you pay a lot of money for those things, and it's good that you can recycle them. It, you know, it's a green fan, I guess you would yeah, say. Yeah, man, hams don't throw aluminum away. No. <laughs> <laughs> they sure don't. You, man, that, that stuff's easy to re, retask. It is. Aluminum's great. Well, I've got an email here that comes from Mark, KC9ZHR, and he says, Hi, George. I'm wondering if you had any ideas on how to make an Arduino board or Raspberry Pi as a repeater controller. Might be a great idea. Well, Mark, you know, that is a good idea, and if I was going to build a repeater that's probably what I would do. Oh, yeah. Be ideal for that. I just did a little quick search on the Internet, and there's tons of stuff out there. So uh, just type Arduino repeater controller, and you'll come up with more information than you got time to read. Uh, tell me what's next on your stack there. Yeah, I've got one. This one's actually about the uh, solar panel. Yeah. It's uh, from my friend Will, KT5W. Tommy, where can we buy the flexible solar panel you got at Dayton? Uh, that came from the Power Film Solar people, www.powerfilmsolar.com. Um, they have a, a site or a store on Amazon.com where they sell some things. But like the one that I got, I believe it was a second where maybe they punched a hole wrong in the fabric or something mm-hmm. and, and they couldn't really sell it as a new one. Um, but I believe they only sell those at Dayton, if I'm not mistaken. But you can get on the on their site, and there's a contact link and email them. I'm sure they can hook you up if you're interested in them. Um, yeah. Incidentally, I should be coming. Uh, I'm going to do something with that here probably in the next couple of months. I have some plans. I didn't get to do my field day project with it, I had hoped. Yeah, I'm sorry I was out of town, but, you know, 
Uh, I had a big time over there hanging oh, out with the yeah. you know, Spice Guys and all. So. Yeah, but anyway, that's coming soon. But it would have been more fun to hang out with you and sweat out there. In the woods, swatting the skeeters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the skeeters are still there. They are. They'll be there next year, too. Were, were the gators out there? No gators in the woods, Peter. He's <laughs> <laughs> not setting up in the swamp. No. That's where I draw the line. Yep, yep. Me neither. <laughs> Good ground plane there, but uh, no. Uh, let's take a look at this new product that MFJ has just come out with. Would you like to build an antenna tuner but don't know how to get started or where to find all the parts? The MFJ 941EK VersaTuner 2 kit contains everything you need to build, calibrate, and use a 300-watt antenna tuner that covers everything from 1.8 to 30 megahertz. The VersaTuner 2 is actually four very useful station accessories in one package. First, it's MFJ's wide-range 300-watt T-network that can match virtually any HF antenna you're likely to encounter. An efficient 12-position air-wound inductor gives lower losses and more power out, and the capacitors are rated at 1,000 volts. Second, it's a highly accurate lighted dual-range SWR wattmeter that features cross-needle metering so you can read forward and reflected power at a glance. Ranges include 300 and 30 watts. Third is an 8-position RF routing switch for selecting a variety of antennas, either through the tuner or around the tuner in bypass mode. You can select between two coax lines, random wire balance line, or external dummy load. And finally, there's a built-in 300-watt, 4-to-1 ballon that accommodates antennas using balanced feed lines. The aluminum cabinet has a durable scratch-proof multicolor Lexon front panel that fits right into your station. Despite its versatility, the circuitry and mechanical layout of the MFJ941 EK kit is straightforward, and it includes a detailed instruction manual to guide you every step from start to finish. No one knows more or has built more tuners than MFJ. Let their experience work for you as you build your very own antenna tuner. MFJ is the world leaders in ham radio accessories. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. Tommy, that is a really neat little kit. I'm going to be building it here on uh, Smoke and Solder on Ham Nation coming up in a few weeks. Actually, between you and me, I've already built it. And, no. Uh, yeah. Don't don't tell anyone. Through the magic of television. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want this to get out yet. Yeah. That certainly It'll... does look like a, a great kit, uh, George. I, I'm surprised. I didn't know that MFJ actually made kits. Uh, I knew they made finished products, but uh, uh, the idea that you could buy one of their products in a kit form is really good. Well, yeah, yeah this is kind of new. They've... Uh, they own Vectronics, which makes kits, but I'm not sure that MFJ themselves had kits until I asked them a while back to make a four-to-one balance kit for us. It seems like they're kind of starting to maybe they, move into that a little bit, yeah. which is really cool. I'm, I'm glad. They are. I've been talking with them, and I, I think this one right here is the, the perfect first kit. If you've never built any uh, electronics before and you need a tuner, this one's easy enough to build. Instructions are real good, and you got something that works when you're finished. I mean, I wouldn't run my 1,500-watt linear through it, but uh, for running a 100-watt rig, you know, it's rated at 300 watts, so plenty of headroom there. And you'll learn a little bit of something in the process. If you're not careful. If you're not careful. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. Well, Peter? And it's sort of, sorry, Tommy, it's sort of consistent with the whole um, maker movement. There's a big movement getting uh, back into kit building and making things. 
Yeah, and I believe you'll be seeing some more kits from them in the future. As a matter of fact, we're in secret discussions on a couple right now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Peter, why don't you set up your segment for us here? Well, uh, your your segment is actually the perfect lead-in, uh, George. Uh, I've noticed since the uh, the introduction of the internet that uh, NASA's become a, a little bit more open and a, a lot more participatory in the sense that people can actually be involved and actually uh, do things uh, with NASA. And my next segment is is very much about that, the idea that you can actually do something quite cool uh and be involved with uh, NASA, and in this case, with astronomy. Hello, everyone. As many of you know, I'm interested in space, although I've never been into astronomy or owned a telescope. However, about four years ago, I read an article which explained how a person with just a computer and a fast broadband connection could discover a comet. In fact, NASA and the European Space Agency have set up a website to help you do just that using the SOHO telescope. It's not hard to spot a comet, but it's also very competitive with people all over the globe competing to find comets. Well, after years of hunting for comets on and off, I'm pleased to say that my discovery of SOHO Comet 2523 has been officially confirmed and I've become one of a handful of Australians to have discovered a comet. So in this segment, I'm going to show you how to find a comet so that you can do it for yourself. You don't need a big telescope, there's no age limit, and women and girls can find them too. All you need is a fast broadband connection, some software, a computer, and plenty of time. First, let's backtrack to December 2nd, 1995 when NASA and ESA launched the SOHO telescope. SOHO is a space-based telescope, and for the past 17 years, it's been parked at the Sun-Earth L1 Lagrangian point. SOHO has its cameras pointed at the Sun, and those cameras have coronagraphs, which are circular disks to block out the light of the Sun, so that each camera can photograph anything happening nearby. Once the spacecraft was operational, a surprising discovery was made. There were lots of comets streaming in close to the sun. These are called sun grazers, and most of these come in from one direction and are called Kreutz comets. The SOHO observatory team started making the SOHO spacecraft images available online from 1999, and lots of amateur astronomers started finding comets. As a result, a website was set up providing budding amateur astronomers with all the tools, including a reporting form, to help them discover their own comet. To date, more than 2,500 comets have been discovered by around about 100 professional and amateur astronomers using images from the SOHO telescope. The website can be found at sungrazer.nrl.navy.mil. You can download images from the website and there's also a guide to how to find and report sun grazers. There are two working cameras that you can download images for. There are C3 images coloured in blue that show a wide angle of the area surrounding the sun. The C2 camera images are coloured in red and show a narrower field of view but the camera is more sensitive and picks up smaller comets not seen in the C3 images. 
a new image is generally available every 12 minutes, but the time difference between images can vary. So what does a comet look like? It's basically a white blob that moves at a consistent speed from image to image and doesn't change much in brightness. Some comets are more pronounced than other comets, and there are some that are very faint. Many comets are very easy to spot, but the trick is being the first to spot and report the comet. The first correct report gets credit as the discoverer. It's pretty easy and quite addictive. To report the comet, you provide the coordinates of the comet in a series of images and put this in the report form and submit it. You'll first need to email the SOHO webmaster and get your name registered in the drop-down list of amateur astronomers. I use a freeware program called EarthenView to blink my way through the images. I just load up the first image in my image directory using EarthenView and then change from image to image using my left and right arrow keys. As I go from image to image, I look for a dot moving in a straight line that's not a star or an asteroid. If I click on a particular dot, the program tells me what the coordinates are. I recommend that you thoroughly read the online guide to finding comets and also look at a number of examples of real comets before you start to report anything. Remember, if it disappears in one of the images, it's not a comet. If it changes brightness radically, it's probably not a comet. And if it doesn't go in a straight line, it's probably not a comet. Also, if it doesn't travel at a consistent speed, then it's not a comet. Also, you will see a number of objects that move horizontally across the screen in either direction. Most are stars, and you will see the occasional planet or asteroid. Don't report these. My recommendation for beginners is to look for Crutes comets in C2 images, as these are the vast majority of comets found. The online guide shows you from which direction these comets come from at particular times of the year. For example, it's now July, and at this time the Crutes comets come from the bottom right of the image, towards the edge of the sun. Now, as I said, this is very competitive. One way to get your images a little earlier than other people is to download the RAW FITS format images, which are made available a couple of minutes earlier than the processed red and blue images. You can then process them yourself and hopefully be first to find the comet. One of the amateur astronomers, Sergei Schmaltz, has written a guide on how to download and process the FITS format images, and you can find his guide at www.sergiuspro.de forward slash SOHO. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, what will I call my comet? Unfortunately, the International Astronomical Union, yes, the same people that decided that Pluto was not a planet, well, they decided that comets found using space-based telescopes get named after the telescope. So that's why my comet is called SOHO 2523. However, at least one gets credit as the discoverer. We'll finish off by having a quick look at SOHO 2523. Can you spot the comet? That looked more like a mouse cursor to me, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, very close to the mouse cursor, just to the left. I put the cursor there so that you could actually kind of follow where the uh, the comet was. But, well, uh, yeah, that, that was the comet that I found. Uh, it took me four years on and off, but uh, uh, that was. It, they're actually very easy to find. It's just, as I say, it's very, very competitive. 
Wow. Yeah, congratulations. I know that you probably put in a lot of time doing that in four years. Hundreds of hours, I can tell you. Um, but uh, you know, it's good fun, and uh, you know, as I say, you get credit as the discoverer, which is which is great. Cool. Well, what's on your email stack down there next? Yes, George, I've got a, an email here from Mitch Ke Five HWW, and he says, "Greetings from Oklahoma." Got a question. I watched the 12 May episode and I saw what looked like a control head mounted on the shelf with your shack. To me, it looked like a standard communications Philips FM 900 head. Am I correct? Was curious if it was for two meter applications. Yes, Mitch, it's uh, an FM 900 and uh, those radios are great. Uh, mine's converted to two meters, but I understand you can also convert it to six meters and to 70 centimeters if you want. Uh, and, uh, the good thing about these radios is they're bulletproof. Uh, you might recall in an earlier episode, uh, we actually ran over one of them uh, with a car. That shows you just how strong they are. Yeah. Car proof. Car proof. Stig proof. Stig proof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got an email here. This one comes from KE4WKP. And he says, hi, George. Quick question. I'm looking for a good multimeter. He says, I'd like to have a fluke, but the cost is prohibitive, and I'm with you there. I'd like to have a fluke, too, and the cost is prohibitive. He says he needs one that's got a wide range of capacitance, a wide range of resistance, voltage, amperage, and milliamps and amps, diode and conductivity, and uh, he'd like something that's auto-ranging. He said there's so many brands out there, he's not sure what to buy, but he wanted me to recommend something around $50. Well... That would be very difficult for me to do today. Years ago, it wouldn't have been not much problem because there were, weren't that many meters around, but now there's just hundreds of them. Uh, on a multimeter, you're probably not going to find one with a wide range of capacitance most of the time. They're, they're a little narrower. They don't get really up into the uh, you know larger, say, 1,000 microfarad capacitors and, and all such as that. Um, but in the $50 range, I would think most anything you bought is going to be pretty accurate. You know, uh, that, that has improved tremendously over the years with uh, digital meters now. So uh, I, oh, I can't remember what brand it was I recommended to him. Now, I had one, and, uh, well, I've got two of them. I, I carry them in my Exotech. vehicles. Exotech. I yeah, think those are decent little meters. Yeah, and uh, Tenma has some pretty decent ones, too, but... You know, there's literally probably a thousand different choices there, and uh, I haven't bought a meter in so long, it'd be hard for me to, to recommend exactly which way to go there. Well, we've got another message here from ICOM, our sponsor on the show, and we're mighty proud to have with us, so let's take a quick look at that. You might remember our quick teaser on ICOM's IC7100 back in January, and perhaps you caught a glimpse of it at Dayton this year. But just in case you missed it, let me tell you a little bit about this multi-band all-mode mobile radio, ICOM 7100, HF, VHF, UHF, right at your fingertips. What sets the 7100 apart from other radios? First, it's got an intuitive touchscreen interface for easy operation. The innovative interface provides quick and smooth operation for setting and editing various functions and memories. ICOM's smart memory system gives you instant access to context and mode menu items. The newly designed radio control head features a large multifunction touchscreen dot matrix LCD display that is positioned for easy viewing and operation. 
The speaker is built right into the head, so you get loud and clear audio where you want it. The microphone, headphone, and external speaker jacks are located there as well. The controller is compact in size, making it ideal for limited vehicle or desktop space. The IC7100 fully covers the HF 6-meter, 2-meter, and 430-440 MHz amateur bands in multiple modes providing 100 watts on HF and 6 meters, 50 watts on VHF, and 35 watts on UHF. A high-performance 32-bit floating-point IF DSP delivers rich digital signal processing features, including digital IF filter, digital twin passband tuning, noise reduction, CW auto-tune, and more. Those digital features work on all bands, from HF to VHF UHF. The IC7100 provides D-Star DV mode digital voice and low-speed data communications, and with the near-repeater function, you can add an external third-party GPS and search the Internet database based on your location. And there's a built-in SD card slot for voice and log storage. For a sneak peek video of the IC7100 and all the great ICOM products, visit icomamerica.com. You know, Tommy, looking at that radio, I feel like I've, I've touched it right here on yeah. the bench before. I mean, it just seems like it could have been just sitting right there. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, had a little glare on the screen because of the camera angle. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we did a video on that. Go to iComAmerica.com and look through their videos there, and you'll find the one that uh, Tommy and Ray and I did sitting right here back in December, way before the thing was released. Yeah, that's a that's a great radio. Ray had a hard time getting it out of here. He did, he did. He lots of not got it out of yeah. here. Yeah. We made him leave some other stuff though, but we've already sent all that back now. Yeah. So I know he's coming. Uh, I believe it's next month. So we'll we'll be ready for him next time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Tommy, uh, what is your uh, full length segment on this time? Well, you know, I said I got the ID fifty one. Right, uh, handy talkie. Yeah, and he brought it, one of those too, and I wish he would have yeah, left it yeah, too. Yeah, he did. But he didn't. Yeah, but <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not, I noticed a lot of people were having questions about how to set the thing up to work with the DV the DVAP, mm-hmm. and uh, I went ahead and put together a little tutorial, a quick segment on on how to do that. Hopefully, it'll help some of you guys out. Well, I've been telling you I wanted one. I finally got it. I got my ID fifty one. This is a D Star Lover's Dream handy talkie. If you're a traveler, I don't see how you can do without it. Um, at any rate, uh, I got the thing. Man, the first thing I did, went ahead and updated the repeater list right off the bat. Next thing I did, came over here and I hooked up my DVAP up to my little Raspberry Pi setup I've got here. And I was going to connect to some of the reflectors and listen. And all of a sudden I realized there's no way to get the connect to the DVAP and send the commands to connect to the reflectors and repeaters and so forth straight out of the box. Now I've seen a lot of people talking on the Yahoo groups about having difficulty doing it. It's not hard. Um, just didn't know how to do it. And I thought I'd go through a quick tutorial this month and show you how to set it up pretty easily. We're going to use the CS51 software that comes with the radio and I'm going to have to hook it up to my Windows computer. You'll go through just like you're going to set up a, another repeater group, except we're going to make one called Simplex. So as I don't have the serial cable to hook up to my computer, I'm going to just use the uh, SD card that's in the radio and hook it up into the card reader, and then I can read that file straight into the CS51 software. So we'll go to Menu, 
pick SD card. It's almost to the bottom. Click Save Settings, pick a new file, hit the selector a couple times, answer yes, and it'll save to the card. You can then go and load it in straight into the software, and it'll have all of your memory settings, all of your history, everything that you've uh, done to the radio. Okay, it's pretty much done. First thing we need to do is load up our settings that we saved from the radio SD card. I've already copied them over to my computer. So let's click open. And we'll pick them from our set right here. And we've got that file up. But we're interested in the digital settings right now. So we'll go to digital. Repeater list. We're going to, remember we say we're going to add a simplex repeater. We need to add one more group. So we'll go to groups. I have one called Simplex. And it showed up down here. Next thing we'll do is add one called DVAP. And it already has the right frequency in it. This is the one I chose to use for my DVAP. And this one is sim Simplex, so we didn't set anything under Duplex. There's some other settings in here. We're not interested in those. So all we need to do is save as and TM2 and we'll click save. Now that we're done, we'll go take the file that we just saved, TM2, and we'll copy it over to our SD card. Now we need to load our modified settings back into the radio. So we'll go back into the same SD card menu that we used before to save the setting and we'll pick load setting. And we'll pick our TM2 that we made, load all, and skip the repeater list. I always say no, load file, yes, and they'll load up everything in here and tell you to reboot the radio. Power the radio off. And then back on, and you're good to go. So let's, so let's use it. Well, we'll go down here to our repeater directory, and we'll go to the repeater list, scroll through our groups, and find the simplex group that we just made. And we'll see some frequencies in there, but we also see our DVAP that we added. So let's use that one. And we'll go up, up to the top, and... Hit the select button and we'll go through and find what we want to connect to. So we'll do your call sign and we'll go down through here and find one of the reflectors to connect to. So we'll do two Charlie. And tap to push to talk and it's pretty much all it is to it. Works just like any other repeater. So now I can scroll back through here and unlink it. Remote system unlinked. Doesn't get much easier than that. As you can see, it's really easy to set up. I love this radio, man. This thing is awesome. It does everything I wanted for a radio. My DVAP gives me everything I wanted for D-Star. I can connect to reflectors, repeaters. It's a great combination especially hooked up to the Raspberry Pi. And uh, actually, that's another story. 
here in the very near future we're going to go through this Raspberry Pi setup and I'm going to show you how to make this totally portable and we're going to use a MiFi for the internet connection and the little Wi-Fi dongle I've got and we're going to go on the road with the thing so be looking for that here coming up pretty soon. Well, Tommy, that looked like a lot of fun for those who are fortunate enough to have D-Star Handy Talkies. <laughs> you sitting over here, how many you got? I've only got three. Only got three. Well, yeah. You should give one to Peter and one to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it sounds like you, you actually have a lot of fun with them, uh, Tommy. Oh, man, they're a blast. You know, and if you travel, I've said it before, but if you travel and you're gone, it's great, man, because you can talk all over the world with that thing. Yeah. Look, I, I must admit, I haven't been that impressed with the technology uh, because I, I was a bit concerned about the sound quality. But I've actually noticed the sound quality has been improving um, in digital communications of late uh, over uh, over uh, the you know uh, these sorts of transmissions. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, something I might look into in the near future. Yeah, you ought to check it out. It's fun. Yeah, you probably enjoy it, Peter. Well, back to the emails here. I had an email here from Bill, and he's wanting to know, he says, uh, George, I'm looking for a new solder in that station, and I can't remember the model that you were using. Uh, the red one that's on your desk, please let me know. Well, Bill, that is the Weller WLC100, and that one's about, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 years old. You've got one too, don't you, Yeah, Tom? you just saw it on my desk. I did see it on your desk. Yeah. Uh, you know, for I think they retail for around fifty bucks, but you can find them cheaper than that sometimes. Yeah, a great little uh, uh, soldering station. It's uh, got the temperature control on there. Now it's not thermostatically controlled. There's no temperature sensor down in the element. But I found that you really don't need that once you get used to where you want to run the knob for different things. Uh, yeah, it, it's great. I actually, yeah. I think I saw Bob Heil had one too. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, yeah. it's good Bob enough for Bob. Surely enough, we ought. You know, yeah. it should be good enough for yeah. me. It should be good enough for you. Well, Peter, what's next on your email agenda? From Miles VK4 FCRO. Now, there's two things about that call sign. VK4 is Queensland in the northeast of our country, and the F call means this is a foundation licensee. Well, uh, Miles says, uh, thanks for your informative videos. Just a question regarding video download size. Uh, I download my videos via iTunes, and I've noticed the last one was over 700 megs. Is there any chance of making them smaller? A bit like what Ham Nation podcast has done with a separate download for smaller resolution. Uh, he also says, P.S., if you need any new material, I'm new to HF Radio and love my Macs over PCs now. So if any of you guys feel like doing a segment on Mac software with ham radios, that would be awesome. Well, uh, the good news is, uh, Miles, that uh, we already make uh, a number of different uh, file sizes and formats available on our website at http.amateurlogic.com. TV. And uh, yeah, so if you uh, head over there, you'll, uh, you should be able to find a, a file size to suit yourself. Also, uh, you may be aware that uh, I think it's H.265 is uh, a new format which promises to halve the size of uh, compressed files. And uh, I'm sure we'll be looking uh, into that as that becomes more available. Yeah, we'll we'll be looking into that whether or not we'll use it. It's anybody's guess at this point, but uh, yeah, yeah, if it gets popular. 
Yeah, and uh, you know we already do what's like five different uh, formats of each episode, mm-hmm. so we probably won't be adding any more because it takes you know such a long time to. Yeah, but, but there, Peter's right. There is such a variety of sizes. You can go all the way from HD down to the small WMV Windows files, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's suitable and, for, and in for fact, dialogue. The, the standard definition version of the show. Uh, when I watch that on my TV set, I can't. I, I struggle to find, tell the difference between that and HD. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. There's some difference. Yeah, there's yeah. There's a good bit of difference. But, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're a criti- you want to critique it, you know, you you can see it. But if you just want to watch it, you know, some people don't really pay yeah. that close well, attention. Well, there's some people that watch the little small Windows Media video mm-hmm. formats. Not nearly as many as watch. Uh, the H.264 HD formats, but there's some that watch it, so we, we keep putting it yeah, out And there's there. a lot of people that just listen. There we, is. We even have MP3. Yeah. Well, Tommy, I think we have room for one more email in the show. Well, I just time. so happen to have one more, so why don't I read this well, one? Well, that really worked out it great. It did. It's almost like it was planned that way. <clears throat> I got this one from Robert, N0YG. He says he's been watching our videos for quite a while. Anyway, he says, the Raspberry Pi you all have been building and working for hotspots, can that thing be used in place of a DVAP, but still connected to the computer as a DVAP or hotspot? Trying to figure out how not to spend $250 on a DVAP and still use my ID51A. I don't have a D-Star repeater close to me, so I must use the computer. Thanks for any help with this Raspberry Pi business. 73 from Kansas. So you're going to pull a rabbit out of your hat for him now? <laughs> yeah. Robert, I really wish there was a, uh, something I could tell you that you could use, but you really need uh, the DVAP or you need to get one of those boards that you could make your own hotspot with a, a radio with a data port on it um, or something like that. But as far as just using the Raspberry Pi, there's there's really nothing on there for the thing to communicate through. You're going to have to have a radio somewhere of some sort. Yeah. And by the time you... Uh, bought one of those um, hotspot boards and bought a radio and all to go with it, you're probably looking at the price you'd pay for a DVAP anyway. Yeah. The D- the DVAP is so nice because it's portable. You you know, as I'm going to show here next few months, we're going to make that thing totally portable and put it in a box where you can carry it around and, and uh, it's real versatile. So. And, and that's how to use your Raspberry Pi for D-Star. With your ID51. And you can watch my segment I just did on how to set it up when well, you get it. It'll also work with the ID31 you're giving me and the other one you're giving <laughs> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you've enjoyed today's show. We had a lot of fun doing it. And just a few items before we go. You want to be sure and uh, check with our website and our YouTube and our Roku and our iTunes and, and everywhere that you can find Amateur Logic. Around August the 1st, you're going to find our uh, VOA Voice of America special tour that we did when we were at uh, Dayton Hamvention. We snuck away one night and got a, a private tour out there. It's some great stuff. Yeah, you're going to enjoy that. I, I was there running the camera for most of it, and I watched it, and, and I actually enjoyed it again myself. It was, it's really good. It, it was. We added a little extra stuff to it, too, as well as some history of VOA. But just a lot of things there you, you wouldn't have really thought about. And uh, it, it kind of opened my eyes up to uh, just what was going on there. And uh, also, we're going to have a net. That's next Monday, Tommy. Are you going to be around for that? I will be here on Monday. Monday is not Tuesday, but I'll be here Monday. Yeah, Monday the 22nd. Join us 
on uh, star do drop in star that's node number three five five eight hundred and you realize this is a banner day because we actually knew the date this time we, we usually did tell them it's some monday and, and do bad bad math trying to figure out what day it's going to be yeah because we can't see the calendar <laughs> through the yeah, monitor so. over here so yeah that that worked out and uh, join us on Facebook if you're a Facebooker. Uh, you can also follow us on where? Twitter at Amateur Logic. And, and uh, yeah, Google Plus. We've got a Google Plus community going there. The Google Plus thing is really fun, guys. You you need and ladies, you need to check that out. It's it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just getting started. But when you see some of that stuff that Mike posts on there, it makes it yeah. uh, worthwhile. <laughs> And uh, also, if you want to watch us on television, where would you do that? Yeah, you can see it on your Roku. On your Roku, yep. And also on iTunes. And if you want to know more about this episode or any episode of AmateurLogic.tv, where should you go, Peter? One more try. Uh, the website, uh, hey, well, uh, www.amateurlogic.tv. Slash wiki. And you oh, get the show notes there. oh, of course. Yeah. And thanks <laughs> to our friend Dan for doing that. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Well, Tommy, anything else before we go? I think that pretty much does it for me. It's been a fun show. It has been. Peter, what about you? Yeah, it's been fun and uh, great as usual to, uh, to contribute something uh, to the pool of videos. Yeah, and we're looking for more f- uh, from you with that new camera there. We want to see some action-packed footage from you next time. Okay. (laughs) All right, everyone. We enjoyed it. Uh, Join us again here around the 15th of next month. But don't forget, August 1st, go check out our VOA special. Yeah, don't forget to make plans for uh, Huntsville Ham Fest also. It'll be coming up right after the next show's released. Yeah, and uh, Tommy and I and uh, Wayne's going with us. We're going to go over and have a big time at Huntsville this year. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. 73. 73. 73. We've got a very special show coming up August the 1st, don't we, Tommy? Yeah, we do. Let me go ahead and elaborate. Yeah, why don't you elaborate? <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, if you want to watch us on television, where would you do that, Peter? On television? Uh, <laughs> um, no, well, I, I always show you a curve, trick don't I? Trick question. Yeah. Trick well, question. No, sorry, Peter. <laughs> Wrong answer. Tommy, like would you like to take a stab at it? Yeah, you can see it on your Roku. On your Roku.